Exodus chapter 16 this morning. If you have your Bibles, hope you do. Exodus chapter 16. Verse number 1, speaking of the children of Israel after the exodus, obviously. And they took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is, begin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. So it's been about a month and a half that they've been on the road, so to speak. The whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. (coughs) Isn't it an interesting thing that when you're not right with the Lord, you remember the things of the world as being much better than they actually were? They're talking like things were great in Egypt. You get away. When you start seeing the world as being a good thing, you know you're not where you ought to be with the Lord. Anyway, let's keep going. That's sermon number one. I got a few to get out. <laughs> For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill, us, kill this whole assembly with hunger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law. Or no. That's an interesting point. It's not the thrust of the sermon, but this this giving of manna, if they couldn't obey a simple command as to how to gather manna, they're not going to do real well with the law. You know. Verse five. It shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Now verse fourteen. And when the dew that lay was gone up, Behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. The word manna means, what is it? That's the name of this. What is it? It is manna. You ever ate something and said, What is this? Sometimes you're glad to know, sometimes not so much. It is manna, for they wist not, they knew not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. We're told that an omer is roughly about two quarts. About two quarts. Um, Verse 17, the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. Uh, And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. They gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Father, would you help us as we look to this passage and Uh, Some other passages, Lord, I pray that you would uh, apply to our hearts exactly what we need. Could be somebody here that's not saved. If that's the case, I pray they'd see their need for the Savior and come to him before it's too late. 
but for all of us, Lord, that are. This is a message I believe we need. Lord, I need it, and I pray that you'd use it in our lives. And in doing so, may Christ be lifted up. Lord, I'm not all that I should be. This is something that in this time away, I've really come to grips with some things I need to work on in my own life, and I'm aware of that keenly. And I'm not where I ought to be. I'm working on it, and I'm trying to get to be more like Jesus. But Lord, in spite of me, would you use this message and speak to hearts and help us to be what we should be. And may you be lifted up and glorified, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. The last time we see the children of Israel directly eating from manna is in Joshua chapter 5. Um, but God sent this, this bread from heaven. Psalm 78 is an interesting passage, verse 22, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven. Heavenly cornbread. How about that? Listen to this. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. We'll talk about this a little bit tonight. I see no reason to believe, not to believe that perhaps manna may be reintroduced in heaven. It may be an option. I don't think it's going to be the only thing we eat in heaven, but I think it may be on the menu. And that'll be interesting. Um, Krispy Kreme donuts right there in heaven. What a wonderful thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul uses manna to give us a spiritual principle. He says we'd all eat the same spiritual meat and drank the same spiritual drink. Talking about the rock, and he says that rock was Christ. Revelation 2 gives us something called a hidden manna. We'll not get into that this morning. And we see in Exodus 13 and renewed in Hebrews 9 that manna was preserved in the Ark of the Covenant as a uh, testimony. So we ask ourselves this question. When we read about manna, of what is manna a picture? We call it a type. And I think there's four things that you can take from manna. First of all, when you look at manna in the Old Testament, it's a picture of grace. Grace, true grace only comes from God. And you get what you need when you need it. Now, now thank the Lord for amazing grace. Thank the Lord for new grace. But God gives you what you need when you need it. And sometimes when you're there, you don't feel like you're getting enough. But when you look back on those times in your life, you see God gave you just the right amount. Exactly what you needed. We see also that manna can certainly be a picture of provision. God provided for his people. He gave them bread in the wilderness, and God has provided for us for sure. Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. But more specifically, and and this is certainly backed up by Scripture, manna is 100% a picture of God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3 And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know what that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, he might prove thee, and do thee good at thy latter end. Uh, Jesus refers to this in, in his temptation time with Satan, that man shall not live by bread alone. There's a direct connection between God feeding men in the wilderness and providing his word. But then, most clearly, manna is a picture of Jesus himself. John chapter 6, verse 30 They said, therefore, unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? These are the the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. 
And what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verse 32, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So let's look here in Exodus and a couple other places. And let's talk about manna for, the, for a minute. First of all, the acquisition of manna. How did they get it? How did they get it? Exodus 16, verse 15, the second part says, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Acquiring this manna, notice first of all that it had to be gathered. It did not just show up on your dinner table. You had to go out and gather it. God provided it, but you had to go out and gather it. Okay, I want you to notice something else. We see that in verse 14. He says, when the dew that lay was gone up, uh, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. It says they went out and gathered it. Then look at verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it of it every man according to his eating. An omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. So not only did it have to be gathered, it had to be gathered for others. The men would go out and they would gather this manna for their families, an omer, two quarts roughly, for each member of their family. You gathered for yourself and you gathered for your family. Then look at verse number 21. It had to be gathered early. And they gathered it every morning. Every man according to his eating, when the sun waxed hot, it melted. So there came a point in the day that it was no longer available. So if you wait to gather it when you're hungry, you're too late. You're too late. You need to gather it early while it's available. And then finally, it needs to be gathered, it needs to be gathered in general, it needs to be gathered for others, it needs to be gathered early. And then finally, it needs to be gathered with a purpose. You're not just getting, getting armloads and, and quart loads of this manna just to have it sit and look at it. It has to have a, a purpose. Hold your place here and go over to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse number 6. Numbers chapter 11, verse, num- verse number 6. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. They're complaining about the manna. But look at what he says here. And the manna was as a coriander seed. Small. And the color thereof is the color of bdellium, which is probably a white, whitish color. And the people went about and gathered it. Now watch this. And ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans, and made cakes of it. 
And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Now, you could take that manna and you could eat it straight, and it'd be good and fine and all of that. But here's what they did. They took it, they gathered it, and then they would compact it, and they would make a dough out of it, and they would grind it, and they would, they would do other things with it. Here's what they would do. They would take that manna and then infuse it into what they were already doing. See? They had a purpose. They had a purpose. You could eat the manna straight off the ground if you wished, but you could also do other things with it and give it some variety and involve it in other areas. You could make it a bread. You could make it a sauce. You could, make it, you could do a lot of things with it. You just had to have a purpose. So we see the, the acquisition of the manna, but then back in, in Exodus 16, we see the abuse of the manna. Some people abused it. They misused it. They did wrong with it. Verse 19. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And this, this stank doesn't just mean, I think this stuff's gone bad. There was no question. There was no, I think. This stuff's turned. This stuff's bad. This stuff's rancid. Moses gave a simple command. Don't leave it until the morning. Don't hoard it. Simple command, and yet many of them disobey. Have you noticed that sometimes the simplest commands are the easiest ones to mess up? I look at my own life, and like I said, I spent some time, you know, especially when we were in Maine for a week and just, you know, just sitting on the lake and just, just met it. By the way, don't ever, ever let the devil tell you that it's a misuse of time to be quiet and listen to God. We have this tendency to feel like we're supposed to be doing something, doing something, doing something. Sometimes we do well just to sit down, shut up, and listen to him. Now, I will warn you, when you do that, sometimes he tells you things you don't want to hear. Sometimes he tells you, hey, Andy, you need to work on this. Andy, you're not measuring up here. That happens, and I'm glad it happens. I need that. But, uh, you know, but I look at my own life, and I'm like, you know what? I usually don't have problems with the nuanced and complicated things of the Bible. I have problems with the basic stuff. So Moses says, don't hoard it up. Why would they disobey? Why would they do it? I think there's three reasons. The first is greed. They get, they get a, a touch of this. They're like, man, this is good. And they just decide they want to get as much for themselves as they can. I would hate to not have enough and not have all that I want to eat and my neighbor get what they want. And so they just start getting greedy with it. Humans have a tendency to get greedy, don't they? I think there's another reason laziness see brother richard it, it comes in the morning but i like to sleep in so if i get plenty tonight i can sleep in and be but you know what moses ah, moses you know how he is even if it goes bad a little it's probably still pretty good you know laziness but here's what i think is the main reason unbelief 
They just didn't believe Moses meant what he said. And by extension, that God meant what he said. They believed, oh, watch this now. They believed that what they got yesterday would be good enough for tomorrow. Y'all see where this is headed, don't you? They abused it. So here's the application of manna. Could I put it another way? So what? All right, God gave them God gave them manna. He provided for them and told them not to hoard it up. They did. It bred worms and stank. What does this have to do with me? Now remember, what does manna represent to us? It represents grace and provision and the word of God and even Christ himself. Could we sum these up in this term, in this phrase, that manna represents the blessing and the moving of God in our lives? Whether it's through his provision, through his grace, through his son, through his word, it's when God moves in our lives, when God gives power in our lives, when God blesses our lives. Manna represents all of that. If I want God to move in my life, if I want God to bless in my life, how do I acquire that? Well, number one, I got to gather it. God only provides it. He does not force feed it. You know, He offers us so much of his blessing and his moving, and all he asks of us is to get up and go get it. And a lot of Christians don't have what God wants them to have in their lives because they just aren't willing to go gather it. Not only that, you gather it for others. See, I'm not just out here getting into the manna because I need it, although I absolutely do. My wife needs me to gather that manna. And my kids need me to gather that manna. And if the Lord tarries us coming and I make it that long, one day my grandkids are going to need me to gather that manna. And my, my, my family, my extended family, needs me to gather that manna. And you know what? You need me to gather that manna because if I'm not gathering manna, I'm not doing much good for you. We gather it for others, don't we? I'll tell you what else. We've got to gather it early. Sometimes we wait until the crisis hits and then we try to gather up our manna and it's too late. You need to get it early while it's there so that way you're ready when the crisis hits. We gather it, we gather it for others, we gather it early and we've got to gather it with a purpose. This morning... I have kind of a two-part devotional system. I have, I have passages that I work through and so forth, but the first thing I do before I do anything else is I read the proverb of the day, and I read Psalm 51. The proverb of the day is just getting wisdom into my life. Psalm 51 is the great prayer of repentance, and it's something that I just want to be, I want to be really good at repenting. I know I'm going to sin. I want to be really good at getting it right. So I read Psalm 51 every morning. So that's good. I read my Bible every day too. Right. Do you do it with a purpose? Do you gather your manna 
with a purpose. See, it's not enough that we read, that's better than nothing, but it's not enough that we read our Bible and close our Bible and say that we did that for the day. No, we have got to learn how to take the word of God and purpose it and put it into every aspect of our life. Today I'm going to take this manna and I'm going to make bread out of it. I'm going to make a dough out of it. Today I'm going to make a sauce out of it. Today I'm just going to eat it straight. Well, you know what? Today I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to try to apply it to my job. I'm going to try to apply it to my family. I'm going to try to apply it to school. I'm going to try to apply it to my favorite pastimes. I'm going to try and get this manna to fit into every nook and cranny of my life. Because that's what it's meant for. And yet so many abuse the blessing and moving of God. Why? Could be greed. What a terrible thing that God has given us what he has and we're refusing to share it with others. What a greedy thing. I get heaven, but I don't care if anybody else has it. I get the fruit of the Spirit, but... eh cares if anybody else gets it now we would never think that way but when we hoard it up to ourselves that's exactly what we're doing we're not going to run out of gospel y'all we're not going to run out of the power of god we can share it and we should we should it could be it's lazy could it be that Maybe I don't have the power of God on my life like my forebears did because I'm just lazier than they are. Now, here's the one that I think we really need to focus on. Why do we, whether knowingly or not, abuse the blessing and moving of God? Why do we not have the power of the manna in our lives? It could be greed, it could be laziness, or it could be unbelief. We just don't believe that God means what he says and we live our lives as though yesterday's manna is sufficient for tomorrow. If I were titling this message, if you've got to have a title in your notes, it's yesterday's manna. Y'all know I love you, right? I'm about to preach to you what God spoke to me about. And if it hits you, then that's God's fault and not mine. We have got to stop looking backward and wishing for yesterday's manna when God's got fresh manna ready for us in the morning. Oh, if only we could get back to the, no, there's no getting back to anything. It's moving forward to where God wants us. Hmm? Man, if I could just have that manna I had yesterday. God doesn't mean for that manna to be for you today. He meant for it for you yesterday. He means for you to come gather it again today. But you know what a lot of people do? They sit in church on Sunday morning, and they get their manna, and they think that manna is going to last them the whole week. And it doesn't. Hey, by the way, dads, when we do that, we are failing to gather for our family. And not only are we starving, our kids are starving, and our wife is starving, and our neighbors are starving, and our coworkers are starving because they expect us to do the gathering for them. But we're content with yesterday's manna. 
What, what part of yesterday are we willing to let go of that we might have what God has for us tomorrow? So what happens when we're satisfied with yesterday's manna? I'll tell you what, according to verse 20, that manna that was so wonderful yesterday breeds worms and stinks. So now wait a minute, Andy, your analogy is breaking down here. Because if, 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 if manna is a picture of the blessing and moving of God, his grace, his provision, God's word in himself, God's word can't stink. It can. Let me tell you, there's a whole generation of people out there that God's word stinks to them because we're not willing to move past yesterday's manna. There's a whole generation of people out there that the thought of Christ stinks to them. You know why? Because all we talk about is what Christ used to do and we don't talk about what he's doing now. Hmm. Because we're not gathering new manna. It breeds worms. What once was clean has now become defiled. And you know what? There are churches that years ago they were clean and on fire for God, but now they're just worm ridden because they won't gather new manna. There's families that were once on fire for God, but now they're worm ridden because they won't gather new manna. They're content with yesterday. Then it says it stinks. It's decay. It rots. Can I tell you something that I know from personal experience? If you possess something yourself that's rotten, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everything around you. I'm going to tell on our family. I hope you don't think badly of us. We, we've had a resurgence lately of field mice. I've plugged up every hole on that house I can find. I don't know how they're getting in, but they are. And they don't go for the cheap stuff, y'all. I've had to replace some expensive food. And so we've done everything we know to do, and, and we've tried every manner of trap and, 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 and the little green pellets. And, the, and, and I know y'all are going to hit me with a thousand different We've tried them all, y'all. My house reeks of peppermint. We've tried it all. We came home from vacation. Something wasn't right. There was a trap that had caught one. And from the looks and smell of it, it was right after we left. (laughs) So the people that come and feed our animals first probably just assume our house always smells like that. I don't know. I hope not, but... I'm just like, well, that didn't just affect me. That affected the whole house. I had a guy used to come to church here, come to me, preacher. I'm sorry I didn't make it to church. You ain't gonna believe what happened. What happened? A skunk got in my house. A skunk? Yep. Did he spray? Yep. The whole house is defiled. You understand, when you don't gather manna like you should, that rottenness doesn't just affect you, it affects your family. And it can affect your neighbors, and it can affect your co-workers. It 
So what they end up doing with that manna, they threw it out. What was meant to be nourishing and the blessing of God and the power of God, all they could do was throw it out. And I wonder how much of God's blessings have we had to throw out because we just let it sit around too long. Can I just gather it all in this one little bundle for you? So many, so many, and sometimes it's me, have a stinky, rancid religion because I'm living on yesterday's manna instead of gathering it afresh and anew every day. So here's my challenge to you. Do not live in the past and do not live off of the past every morning afresh and anew. Determine to gather for yourself, for your family, with purpose early on. Gather that manna. Do not be satisfied living off of yesterday's. That's the challenge.